We are recording to the subspace cloud. Hello, everybody. You know, I have to say in 2022, we had an epic run of shows. Jim and I had the first year of continuing conversations. We're now 50 something episodes in. And we were so surprised at how well the show did and all the people we had uh, come on board, whether it was David Ward or Nathan Dowdell or Jackson Lansing or Jody Howes or a lot of great people, Aliza Perlman. I could go on and on. Eric Campbell. So many, yeah. So many <laughs> but, it, people. but Jim, it's 2023 and it's only getting better. And this is our first recording of 2023. So just so everyone knows, we continue the conversation. I'm Michael Dismuke. I'm a freelance writer for Star Trek Adventures RPG. I'm also a main blogger on Continuing Missions, which is the number one fan site for RPG, um, for Star Trek Adventures RPG. And of course, I'm a lover of Star Trek Voyager. Everyone knows that. Um, Jim, why don't you introduce yourself and then why don't we start talking about our all-star cast today? Absolutely. So hi, everybody. Uh, I uh, Happy New Year, first of all. For, I mean, this will be a little bit later in the year when it comes out. But hey, we're, we're just starting off the new year here. So happy new year, y'all. Uh, I am Jim Johnson. I'm the project manager and line editor for the Star Trek Adventures RPG, published by Modifius Entertainment. Uh, low these uh, six, seven years now. So going on, continuing on strong here. So um, I am a lifelong Star Trek fan. Uh, and big shout out to Deep Space Nine. My favorite series uh, just celebrated its 30th birthday yesterday. So uh, happy birthday to DS9. Uh, my fingers are crossed that somehow, someway, Paramount agrees to do a HD version of uh, DS9 someday, maybe. But uh, who knows? We'll see what happens. Uh, in the meantime, go watch it wherever you can find it. So uh, thank you all for being here. I am super excited to see this group of people on the show tonight. I mean, it's just amazing who's willing to come on the show with us and talk about the little RPG and Star Trek and stuff. But this is so cool. I'm so excited. So I'm going to just start clockwise on my screen. I don't know what it looks like on your respective screens, but I've got uh, um, Al Spader right below me. So clockwise, go with Al. Tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, your favorite series and also your favorite captain, since the, tonight's episode is all about captains. So uh, tell us what you got, Al. Uh, how's it going? Al Spader. I'm a freelance writer um, for Star Trek Adventures and a few other systems as well. Um, uh, I really uh, love uh, Deep Space Nine. I mean, I think it really revolutionized storytelling uh, as a whole um, for science fiction. Um, favorite captain's really, really hard because I think each captain is good in their own way. Um, I can say that the most fascinating captain to me was like Saru for like the five minutes that he was captain because he was so awful at it. Like he had no idea what he was doing mm -hmm. and he was trying to figure out why. Um, so to me, that really tickled me. Um, but I have to say, I just uh, started re uh, watching Enterprise for the first time through. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm really falling in love with Archer. I really wow. am. He's such a cool, like, uh, he just seems like such a normal guy. I love, I love it. Well, cool. Uh, Al, uh, at some point offline, I'll, I'll be eager to hear your perspectives when you get to season three. And, and after you finish season three, tell me what you think of Archer at that point. No spoilers, though. Yeah. I just, I'm curious to see how that evolves <laughs> as you continue to do your uh, your watch through. I think uh, he's awesome. heard me rail on that, Jim, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to know the same. We'll have a show just about Archer. Just about Archer, yeah. All right. Thanks, Al. Uh, so moving on to uh, Sam. Tell us all about yourself, your favorite captain, and your uh, favorite series. Hi, I'm Sam DeLev. I'm a role-playing performer and variety streamer who participated in, I believe, the very first Star Trek Adventures streamed actual play RPG, Shield of Tomorrow for Geek and Sundry. I also played Captain Azri Sol in Clear Skies for Streampunk's RPG Productions. My, I'm delighted to be part of people who have very correct opinions about DS9, which is a fantastic <laughs> series. And as far as favorite captain goes, I have to give respect to Catherine Janeway. It is easy to be good when being good is easy, but we saw the true character of a true captain in stress and obstacle. Mm -hmm. Okay, I get to I get to cry a little bit here for a second. Okay, first of all, Sam Delev, this is the first time I've had the pleasure of meeting you in person. I've of course watched you on Clear Skies um, 
for years. Um, but we have two things in common now. It's Catherine Janeway. And I have to ask you to, I found out you're fluent in American Sign Language like I am. I got to know that story. Can you give me that story in 30 seconds? Oh, yes, absolutely. Back in high school, one of the people I went to school with is deaf and used signed exact English and some ASL. I wanted to be friends with her, and it seemed just the base courtesy to learn a language to communicate with people. And once I did, I really just enjoyed it and became a part of my life. I love that. Pretty much the same story. I, I love that. So, oh my goodness, that's so cool. I've been doing it for about 25 years now, fluent, deaf friends, and even wrote a module about it uh, that's in one of the mission briefs called Haptic. Uh, we can get that uh, from was, you later. Yeah, but first, yeah. hearing from more of the, our guests. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So awesome. Cool. Thank you, Sam. It's so exciting. Oh, this is great. So now uh, we'll switch over to, uh, to Sky. Tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, your favorite captain and your favorite show series uh yeah my name is guy um in my campaign i played captain bianca west um of the federation starship dauntless an odyssey class starship um in the sto timeline so uh my favorite captain um so the season two of discovery was airing kind of in the middle of our campaign so and kind of like right around the time i started being captain so captain pike really kind of informed i think like the kind of style that i settled into um but i also definitely had a janeway streak because i love janeway so i they're kind of both my favorite captains i had this janeway streak of like you know like a prime directive but these people need help so we're 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 not going to listen to the prime directive here <laughs> like <laughs> I, I i definitely did a little bit of maverick stuff like like jane way did but i also really liked the collaborating kind of style that pike had as well and um it definitely helped me when i was kind of like out of ideas <laughs> That's cool. Well, Sky, you are STA super fan of the day. You also get our third ever no prize because you have come with the best costume and background ever. <laughs> so I'm totally jelly. I'm loving the, the Delta Flyers costume uh, level. Oh, there. yeah. And and uh, uh, thank you to Nick from Cryptic. This is the Odyssey Bridge redesign. Uh. <laughs> I decided it was a propos. So <laughs> I love it. Oh, man, this is so cool. I love it. That's fantastic. Oh, it's such a small world. We know we know so many different people and all the same people, and they can provide all kinds of great stuff. So I love it. I'm so jealous because like my my computer is uh, 13 years old, and it's so old that I cannot actually display virtual backgrounds on this thing. And I want to because obviously, I mean, who wants to look at my bookshelf, right? Who cares? Uh, but I would love to do the cool stuff like Michael and, <laughs> and Sky and stuff. <laughs> you have Beastie Boys in Star Trek. Why not? Hey. Hey, you know, can't go wrong with that, right? Good winning combination. And uh, J.J. Abrams proved that, right? Um, depending on your perspective. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Troy, let's uh, let's bring it home here. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your uh, favorite series, uh, Star Trek series, and your favorite captain. All righty. I am uh, Troy Mepians. I am a freelance writer for Star Trek Adventures. I am a published author of fantasy adventure novels. Um, I play Captain Jalel, a... The first Romulan starship captain in Starfleet on the uh, USS Pioneer. Mm -hmm. And uh, I have to say my favorite captain is awesome. I got my Star Trek, my Pioneer shirt on, but, you know, <laughs> I can't see it at the moment. Um, my favorite captain is probably uh, Picard. This, mm -hmm. I, I've always liked his, that, that moral steel that he had in his, you know, that spinal, you know, not willing to back down if he thinks he's right, you know, mm -hmm. and willing to do anything for the right thing, you know? And so probably next gen would be my favorite. Well, uh, original series is really close. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm going to go ahead and plug Troy. You just had a new mission briefs pack come out called mysteries. Mm -hmm. And I had the privilege of playing just one episode out of it with a bunch of newbie players, and now they're addicted to the game. So we're set up for January 11th <laughs> to play again, thanks to that story. Uh, Fabulous. Really good. So Yeah, and, and Troy, I'm going to have to talk to you offline. I didn't, for some, somehow I must have missed the fact that you are a uh, a sci-fi fantasy novelist. So I'll have, to, I'll have to bug you a little bit about that. Um, but I, I'll save it for another time because we I know we got plenty of other stuff to talk about. <laughs> Uh, Michael, I think we should we should do proper justice and uh, 
and uh, and, and mention our own favorite series and captains as well. I, I know Voyager's your your heart, but uh, as far as cat, I know we talked about this before, but I don't remember. It's been a year yeah. plus episodes. Uh, who are you who are you looking at for captain? Definitely, uh, I have to say I, I I was going with Pike for a little bit. I, I've always been Janeway, diehard Janeway. Was going with Pike. I have to say, Philippa Giorgio, if she, if if she comes back with her own show, I'm rivaling that Janeway may 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 take second seat. But mm-hmm. I was the other day vacillating, but then Prodigy brought Janeway back for me in full form. Mm-hmm. That Prodigy, that that Janeway is. We may have seen her in more like roles if, if prodigy keeps going on that character may actually live longer in more episodes so i think we have still a lot more to see from janeway and come on in animated form she's still kicking <laughs> butt i mean yeah. come on so that, that's my favorite what about you mm-hmm. uh you know this is really hard i think for for the longest time i would have said cisco hands down because I think the I think Cisco is is like the is the, is like the most complete Captain character in all the series because I mean, he's just got so much going on right he's the he's the he's the uh, he's the emissary of the prophets he's a father he's a single father uh, he's a widower he's a captain he's he's in charge of just so much stuff that I think he's just the most complete character and whether he's my favorite captain though is another story and I've been kind of evolving that over the last few years because um, what uh, what Anson Mount is doing with Pike both in discovery season two and in what we've seen in strange new worlds is just astounding. Like that's, that's a guy, that's a guy I would absolutely, you know, go into battle with or, or go explore some strange new worlds or something with, without hesitation, without even thinking about it. Right. Even though he's got the, he's got the, the Pike's peak that grows every episode. Right. Uh, I, I still, I, st- I still think Pike is probably moving in on Cisco in terms of like my favorite captain, even though I, I will remain true to Cisco and say, I think he's the most complete character you know um but i think uh, pike i mean for a long time it was picard um although I, i'm not in love with, the, with what they've been doing with picard in uh in the uh in the later series mm-hmm. um but uh, i mean i grew up on next gen really uh more that was that was my college years um show and that was like that really imprinted on me quite a bit so it's tough to, mm-hmm. tough to let picard go that's understandable. So yeah. tonight we're here to talk all yes. about captains and we have this experienced crew of Star Trek Adventures gamers mm-hmm. who play captains in some form. Um, and so myself and Jim really wanted to pick your brains. Now, many of you out there, and if you haven't already, you may know about it or not know about it. The player's guide came out uh, 2021. It seems like it came out years ago, but it's actually early <laughs> 2021, right, Jim? Well, actually, the PDF came out in late 21. The print copies didn't actually hit the states until 20, early 22. Wow. So it's only been, it's only been a year ish, depending on how you count. Like, I mean, the people who are rabid about the game got the PDFs early and then there was just a ridiculously long, uh, supply chain to get them from the UK. I, mean, I think those books took like seven months to get from the UK to America. It was, it was outrageous. <laughs> Thanks, <Right. COVID. laughs> got it. So, so what we wanted to do is highlight there's, there's a section in here that was written by Al Spader of all people who's here right now. And it's about the different roles of different uh, characters. And the reason why this is important, it all started with a show that Jim and I did where people were asking, what do you do with the ship's doctor every episode? What do you do with the ship's counselor every episode? <laughs> and both of us at basically at the same time said McCoy. I mean, he was in every episode and they never had a lack of what to do with the ship's doctor. So we thought, mm-hmm. and so Jim came up with the idea like, well, we probably should talk about every role and help people out. So we have this panel of experts to do just that. So why don't we go ahead and start rolling the question around? And this is my question to everyone. You can Think about it for a second. I'll give you a second to stew on it. But what do you think is the most important characteristic that a ship captain should have? I think I want to start there. Um, you've all been experienced captains. You've all played the game. And so what do you think is the most important quality that a ship captain should have? I'll let anyone who wants to go first, go first. Uh, ask questions um, not just of your players but of your GM um, because I remember you know because I was promoted to captain mid-game and I was so overwhelmed um, I had to make decisions and I 
you know, was terrified of making the wrong one. So I was always just like, you know, trying to get more information out of my crew doing dice rolls or just straight up asking the GM questions. Um, and that really helped me out. And, and eventually I just kind of stopped doing that, but the willingness to, to humble yourself a little bit is, I think is good. Ooh, sky picks humility. I love that. What else? What do you, what do the rest of you have to say about that? Yeah, I was going to say humility or like trust in your crew, like knowing that you you don't have all of the answers. You're not the smartest person when it comes to everything on the ship. So putting that trust into your crew and allowing them to guide your decision, because really you're like the voice, you're the decision maker. Um, but being able to process um, what your crew is telling you and then choose the best decision to make after that. Um, it's not uh, it's not about giving orders, right? It's about making quality decisions uh, using the smart people around you. I like how that sounds. Troy, Sam, what do you have? Um, I, 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 I'm thinking, you know, the humility angle of it, absolutely. You know, you have to because... As a captain, you're dealing with still the best of the best. You know, if they are officers and especially department heads, these are the best that Starfleet has to offer. And you'd be a fool not to, you know, lean on them and rely on them for their expertise. But I think the most challenging thing for me was decisiveness. You know, once you have that information, once you have everything that you can glean from your fellow officers, making that decision, right or wrong, you know, if you don't make it, you know, something bad is going to happen. So you've got to take that step. And I think that was the hardest part for me in those first several episodes when I took over uh, Pioneer. Yeah, we're going to talk about analysis paralysis later and how to avoid that because I think that happens the most in the captain's role. Sam, what do you yeah. have on it? What do you think is the most important quality? I think a lot of excellent qualities have already been cited. So in the name of diversifying our virtues, I will give it to awareness mm-hmm. as a player being aware of the other players at the table, how they're feeling, whether or not they want to drive a decision themselves. Maybe they have a really good idea and you can see it on their face. And so your order is giving them a vessel to do their own idea. Maybe the awareness is in reading the GM and where that NPC is intended to go. Are, are you, is this a negotiation? Or is this supposed to be a fight? Can I talk my GM into one or the other? How flexible are they? Am I really going off in the wrong direction with it? And I need to pull back at all times. I think one of the most important things for any player at any table is to be aware, particularly emotionally aware, to sort of open yourself to the vibe check of the room, but particularly because a captain plays a status relationship, mm-hmm. being aware yeah. of how other people feel at that table is particularly important and ensures not just a successful captaincy, but a safe table. Ooh, I like that. So I like that there's a shared responsibility between the game master and the captain to make it a safe, safe table, which is really cool. So let's flip that question then. Worst qualities for a captain to have. <laughs> that, that way, someone listening to this is like, okay, do this, but back away from this. Authoritarian. Talk to us. What do you mean by that? Uh, basically, somebody that would just take full control of a situation without input, without considering the other players, the other characters, and just basically wanting to be the boss, which that was never you know, a captain in Star Trek, you know, I mean, Kirk was probably one of the most, you know, forceful commanders in all of Star Trek, but he still leaned very heavily, you know, on Spock, on McCoy, Bill Scotty. 
Yeah, I agree. I always crack up if I had to ever write James T. Kirk's character sheet. I couldn't really find a focus like engineering or did I ever see him fly anything? You know, like like it's true, but he was great with those team dynamics, right? Getting the best out of his people. All right. So what else, what else to avoid as a captain? If you're a first time captain playing Star Trek Adventures, what other traits do we want to avoid? Trying to be the star. Mm-hmm. Like you need to let the other crew members shine. You know, it's very easy as captain because you're making these huge decisions in a lot of cases. And in my case, uh, I ended up having a lot of moxie. Um, so sometimes I would do something that that would throw my GM completely for a loop. Um, but I also needed to make sure that, you know, and it kind of goes back to what Sam was saying. You, you got to make sure that everybody's having a good time. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and normally that's like a GM thing, but it is also a captain thing. Um, and that's why I really liked trying to emulate, you know, even though I kind of had Janeway's moxie, I wanted to emulate Pike's like collaborative style um, because he steals every scene he's in, but you need to let the other characters have scenes too and have arcs that are just as important. Mm-hmm. Good point. Yeah. I was going to say apathy. Um, like you should mm. really, um, you know, care about the people who are around you. Um, like if you make a decision and it goes against what somebody was recommending to you, um, you know, have a scene later on where you can have a conversation saying, listen, I still value your opinion. Like that means a lot to me. However, this is what we're going to try for now. You know, it may be right. It may be wrong, but this is the decision. Um, and you know, you can get back to me later on whether your decision was right or my decision was right. But like be, uh, show empathy towards your crew members. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Good. Sam, what not to do. I have to echo a lot of what's already been said. A bossy captain is a bad captain. You are not the main character. No one is the main character at a role-playing table. Mm -hmm. And although your character might be in charge, everyone at the table is an equal. We are all friends playing a game. And the moment that you use your fictional positioning to squash someone else, squash one of your friends you're having fun with, then you have not only diminished the point of why we all came here to play a tabletop role-playing game, but frankly, you perpetrated an insult upon Starfleet. (laughs) It is not in the spirit of any of the above. You're not giving orders. Your character might, but you only rule by the consent of the governed. Every other player could just say no to you, get up and walk away. It is because of that social contract of gaming that your captaincy holds any water. And so you have to, as a captain, respect that always. Mm-hmm. So, so would you say you love and care for your crews? Oh, no, I, I enjoy airlocking them. I was say this, this is just fascinating listening to these perspectives on both what's, what makes a good captain and what makes a, you know, what, what, what's bad for a captain. Cause I mean, clearly all, all of you are, are, are my kind of people. And I would play a game with all of you, no hesitation at all. Cause like we're all in the same wavelength here. Um, which I love. It's fantastic. It's really cool to listen to you all. One of the greatest challenges I have had, though, as, as both a player and a game master and now the project manager of the game, is like all this great content. How do you distill this down in such a way that a new player coming into the game who has very real concerns about whether it's even viable to play a captain in this game because they have concerns about their group or they have the concerns about power dynamics or whatever? Like, how do you distill all this great information down and make it into a book, right? Obviously, because we're, you know, we're creating uh, RPG books. Like, like I could write 300 pages on just, you know, player dynamics and being an effective leader and, and being collaborative and all that stuff and all this great stuff we're talking about. But it's just not possible, right? There's just no way to do that for an RPG book because we've got so much other stuff to cover. But uh, I guess my... My question, or I guess my 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 thought that I want some 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 thoughts on from all of you, 
is um, I, I've long been the, the the banner waver that a uh, any good Star Trek game has to have a player character as the captain. Like it, it, I think the, I think the captain role is wasted on an NPC, uh, honestly, because I've been a captain, I've been a first officer. I, I think dear, there, dear. There, there there have been so many great dramatic moments in my games. That like if it had been an NPC making those decisions, it'd be like okay, so we're watching the we're watching the show. It's, this is not interesting. Uh, so I guess my my question for you all then is um, it, because this is a game, right? This is an RPG, right? It's not it's not the idealized. You know, we're not Starfleet officers, but we're playing a game with our friends. Like like Sam said, we're you know theoretically we're all friends at the table working together, even if it's a a, a convention experience, right? We we still hopefully have a group of people who are all on kind of the same page, ideally. I mean, because you don't have an opportunity to do a session zero, uh, but hopefully you're there for the same reason to have a good time and play Star Trek, right? Um, so um, what am I trying to say here? <laughs> I guess um, just like, you know, if you're if you're a new player, or I mean, all of you at one point were a new player coming into Star Trek Adventures, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so so when you were coming into it, thinking you would be the captain, like, like why? why? Why did you want to be the captain playing an RPG. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't either. I I took it because no one else in the crew wanted to play a captain. Multiple of the other people in my gaming group had been captains of starships, either in Star Trek Adventures or in some other space sci-fi RPG. And so effectively, I had to step up, not be the ship's doctor and say, okay, fine, I'll take my turn after actual years of eschewing authority. Um <laughs> But that said, I will respond to your blistering hot take, Jim, and say, I don't think a ca uh, captain has to be a PC at uh -oh. all. It entirely depends on the leadership style. And indeed, Streambanks mm -hmm. have talked about games where the captain is an NPC. The yeah. one thing that people talked about in this little roundtable was that you are surrounded by people who are incredibly good at their job. And every single one of them is better at that area of specialization than you, the captain, are. And a collaborative leadership style from your NPC can absolutely allow for a much more ensemble feel of cast, where what you end up with is a much more crew-driven approach to leadership. Yes, you absolutely do have to play a captain differently if you are a GM playing a captain NPC. And yes, they will probably be off in their ready room a little more often than a player character who, you know, needs to get healthy spotlight time like every other player. But I think it. there's no reason it can't work. The principles of Star Trek stories work just fine. I mean, there are plenty of Star Trek episodes where you don't really see them, the captain, very much at all, or they aren't a major part of the A plot or the B plot. And maybe you even just see them a little bit in the C plot. Like, hi, I exist. Bye. It's all it. I think you can get great stories out of it. Personally, I want to get I want to get Troy's take on it because I know for a fact that he started as a first officer with an NPC captain in our game. And so he's lived the transition to captain. <laughs> Troy, what's your PC NPC captain? What what was uh, more invigorating for you? Um, For me, I, I, I actually appreciated the fact that there was an NPC captain at the time and a character that I knew, uh, Belana Torres. Um, it allowed me to, you know, cause I was stepping into a character that I hadn't created. Um, so it allowed me to better understand who Jalel was. And then, you know, when, <laughs> when that, uh, credit roll went and I saw my name up there, it was as captain. I went, Oh, okay, here we go. <laughs> um, you know, I was at least in a position where I could step into that and say, okay, I could probably do this. Um, but as far as uh, NPC versus PC, I've noticed in the um, convention setting, it works a bit better to have a uh, NPC captain 
just simply because there are people at the table that aren't as familiar with how Starfleet works, how Star Trek works. So you can kind of help guide the story a little bit and, you know, help facilitate everybody having a chance, you know, to shine and do what they do best. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to echo that, Troy. I think that especially for people that are learning the game, I think having an MPC captain is important um, because, again, you can basically GM through their voice. Um, and, uh, you know, for people that have never touched the 2D20 system before, um, you know, and you're learning about momentum and threat and all of this stuff, um, I, I think that is a good way to do it is um, to have the MPC captain. However, I do think that um, the stories that you can tell with a PC captain um, are extremely rewarding as well. So um, I, I think that while my preference would be to have a PC captain um, personally, um, you know, if, if you don't feel that's something or like if you're a GM and you're not super confident about how you feel about the rules and you want to play the NPC captain so that you can all learn the rules together. I, I'm totally for that. I would support that. Mm -hmm. Do you think the difference then is between, I mean, I'm kind of hearing, do you think the difference is between mature gaming group and maybe one that's starting out new should maybe make the call for PC NPC? I, I think maturity is actually a key word there. Um, you could have even experienced players who aren't familiar with the more collaborative style of Star Trek that would not fit well in a command environment because they would simply try to take charge just out of instinct. That's what they know. That's what they do. So, you know, you and the only person that can engage that is, is you, the person running the game. You know, to be able to say, okay, you know, in my group, I think this would work, or in my group, I want to watch for a little while, see how they play, and then maybe, you know, pick somebody to say, hey, you know, I think you would probably be a really good captain here. I'd also be much more inclined as a non-captain to really get at loggerheads with an NPC captain, a GM usually plays the characters, the villains who are thwarted. Having tension against a GM's character is a very natural, very familiar dynamic. And so if you really want to play like a first officer who has a lot of tension with the captain, that can be a really fruitful, really Star Trek story. And while absolutely you can do it with players, I think it works particularly well. If you have an NPC captain. I actually want to piggyback on that because while I was captain, my XO, um, she had been like my character's best friend, um, you know, because she be, she was a tactical officer, then became XO a lot like Rue. Um, and <laughs> right. And so um, but, you know, they became best friends, but she was very much like uh a little bit of, uh, as as much of a murder hobo as you could be in a Star Trek game, which mm -hmm. is funny because she was one of the people most familiar besides myself with Star Trek. Um, and she definitely kind of went off the rails a couple times and it really like created this tension between her and my like more by the book character. Um, and it eventually led to her leaving Starfleet and joining the Klingon defense force um, mm. with her wife. So, so it, 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 you know, and, and, but it was tough because we had to check in with each other a lot as friends because mm -hmm. we were always, you know, in the game, you know, we were clashing a lot, you know, and, and when you role play that and you role play it really well, it almost feels real, you know? And, yeah. and so you had to check in afterwards and be like, okay, are we okay? Is everything okay? And that that's an, that's a more complicated social dynamic. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, yeah, you're, you've made a good point that, the, the the GM bringing that conflict in is a completely different ball of wax. No. Fight your GM, Sam Delap, twenty twenty three. So so now that brought up another question. I, I just curious because we have four different captains here. Um, people who played captains, uh, prime directive or no prime directive? 
Oh, I have thoughts. <laughs> What's the prime directive? She doesn't even go here. <laughs> it's more of a okay. guideline than a rule. <laughs> Yeah, so so my very first session, I was a helm officer in XO. Um, and I my captain's a betazoid or my character's betazoid. And we arrived at our first planetary system. There were signs of life and we were going to do reconnaissance. Um what we didn't realize is that the species of the planet we were orbiting were telepathic, like dull like porpoises. They were telepathic and they sensed me. They sensed me and they start, they contacted me. They were pre-warp and they contacted me. And there was a sister planet in that solar system that was also pre-warp. So we made first contact with both species pre-warp because I was there. Oh, that's actually fascinating. Oh. Yeah. And, and like the GM had not planned it that way. We just were like, okay, we're going to go there first. And that's what happened. And it was, it was uh, a bit nuts. And um, at the end of the campaign, um, I also broke the prime directive and made first contact with a species that was very, that had been very close to achieving warp drive until something cataclysmic happened to their planet and they were dying. Um, And my captain had watched a planet destroy itself in nuclear annihilation but because of the prime directive she didn't do anything um and she thought about that and she's like i can't let these people die Um, yeah and 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 the reason i asked that i want to say the reason i asked that is because would you agree that the captain influences the game in the sense of whether the crew follows the prime directive or not sets the tone of that that's the tone definitely um but you remember uh commander kotaro i mean her and jalal butted heads several times you know over interpretations of you know the prime directive in particular uh jalal tends to be a bit more of a traditionalist you know somebody that wants to be by the book but there are times where he's you know very conflicted about that and I know, you know, Al can speak to this too, that, you know, there are people in our crew that are like, back with that, we got to go do this, you know, and it, it's challenging for the captain to try to balance that. Yeah. And I want to, I keep talking about this, Al and, and, and uh, Sam, Scott, you want to add more to it? Cause it's building up to something about the role of captain as a player and the responsibility you kind of face with giving players the game they want. You've all sort of alluded to it. Al, you want to, Prime directive, no prime directive, how that influences. So I'm going to I'm going to give a little hot take here. I think I would put this in the same vicinity as um, no time travel, no genetic augments, um, synthetic bands. I think it's all plot. Right. And I think that you can use um, uh, the prime directive uh, and support it in one plot, but be completely against it in a separate plot right um so i think that that's where the interpretation lies like what scenario are we dealing with here and i think having that discussion is really the meat of what that episode is like Mm -hmm. like you know are we going to support it here because of this are we not going to support it here because of that i agree Insofar as the prime directive as an initial idea comes from a truly well-intended desire not to perpetuate imperialism that we as humans in particular are familiar with. And yet, because it is a sci-fi premise, in practice, it ends up falling afoul of our ethical intuitions. It is not an intrinsic good, and I don't even think within the Federation it is treated as an intrinsic good. Rather, it is instrumental toward acting ethically, and so that is a higher directive. I I classify it, if anything, as a subprime directive. The other thing I might put to it is that we are humans and have a certain attitude about all of that, and that depending on who your captain is or any member of the crew, their species might have a very different history that leads them 
to have a very different opinion about all of that. A Bajoran will not have the same opinion about a prime directive as a human. I know my Orion captain certainly didn't. And so it's it's more even than just what we as players have always thought about the prime directive. And now's our chance to like kind of speak through our character as, as a microphone rather also being true to where our characters come from and where their position is in the Federation. If indeed you're even playing a Federation character and how they feel about their role in the Federation and the prime directives role in guiding the Federation's behavior. I'm glad we taped that because I hope you wrote that down somewhere where you explained about the take on the prime directive subdirective, because I will be clipping that into a small, like a uh, <laughs> Twitter thing. I thought that was, my, my group knows how I feel about the prime directive. So that was so well said um, there. Sky, did you yeah. want to add something to that? Oh, go ahead, Alan. I was just going to say so much, though, that we have currently encountered uh, uh, a bunch of uh, civilization who is doing the opposite. They're actively seeking out non-warp <laughs> civilizations to give them warp technology, to mm -hmm. bring them into the fold. Like, that's something that we're dealing with in our stories right now, which is just fascinating. And, like, how do we, <laughs> how do we come to grips with that, that that's what, what these people believe, you know? Sky. Yeah, so we we had a bit a, a bit of a similar situation. Um, kind of our main antagonist. We we played in the Karen and Nebula, so it was like way out there. Um, and so we had all GM created species, and one of them was an insectoid species um, called the Zeeland. And we discovered that the Zeeland were uh, basically human trafficking, um, and uh, part of that, you know kind of forced us to make first contact in in areas where we couldn't where we wouldn't have otherwise um especially when it came to that species where they were dying out because their planet was dying um because the zealand had made had tried to make contact with them and we had intercepted their signal um and but these people were technologically advanced enough they knew something was going on in orbit and that kind of like revitalized their culture. And that's, I think, what kind of led to my decision. And I talked to my crew about it. I didn't want to like unilaterally make this decision. I was just like, I want to do a recon mission. Kind of like kind of like what Captain Archer did in like the first season of Enterprise, like where they just like they 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 dressed up in the 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 clothes and the makeup and they went out there um, to that pre-warp planet um, and kind of do some reconnaissance. Um, and that was weird because I went and my Betazoid science officer went and those people turned out to be telepaths. <laughs> well, telepaths. In your well, and I wanted to summarize <laughs> yeah. that. The reason I wanted to ask that question too, is I think yeah. that what you've all said in so many words is it's a responsibility of the captain, especially if you were a player captain, to have these discussions, these philosophical discussions with your group. And I know at least in our game, these are sometimes the most riveting discussions we ever have. And then you end up with the problem and you're trying to, the captain has this responsibility to try to take all that information from that round table and apply it in a practical situation. So I just wanted to stress that you've all said it. Um, it's a, it's a cool responsibility. And if you're really that kind of Person that's good at listening, empathy, honest, uh, all the things, trustworthy, a lot of the things you've said, it could be a really engaging uh, uh, role to play. Jim, what do you, you have uh, additional on that? Um, no, I don't, I don't know that I have a specific thought on that. I said, I'm just, I'm just absorbing all this. I'm sitting back and just, and just letting it all soak in because this is all such great, great information. I, I love the fact that we all have very different perspectives on. Um, on whether a, a, a PC captain is necessary or not. So I really appreciate the, the fresh perspectives on that. So thank you all for that. I really, um, really value that. Cause like in my experience, like it's always been a, a PC captain. And, uh, only recently, I think I've started thinking that maybe trying out a captain character as a supporting character that different players could rotate and, and do different episodes. Like, Oh, you know, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll play the captain for this scene or that scene or something that would be kind of like a nice round Robin way of, uh, of, of getting a little bit of captain time without having the complete responsibility of being the captain, you know, session after session after session. And uh, I think that's just one of the powers of uh, Nathan's design 
of the game, right? Is that he created those supporting characters uh, options. And uh, I think even after six years, I'm still thinking about the possibilities that that can entail. And what does that look like? Um, so, and just hearing all your perspectives too, um, really appreciated it. Um, so I, I know we're moving along. Um, I did have a question for everybody. This doesn't have to be the last question, Michael, but this is just the one I've been thinking about. Um, and I wanted to get some perspectives on, uh, you know, tied into what we were just talking about. So when I, um, when I approached Al, and asked him to write the sections of the player's guide that were focused on the different character roles. Um, it, it wasn't so much a challenge. It was a request to say, you know, when you're writing each of these subchapters about each role, I want you, and, and I was, I'll be honest, I was inspired by fourth edition D and D because uh, in, in one of the D and D books, they, they had a very specific section in their, in their class descriptions that said, this is the best class to play because X, Y, and Z. And so I told Al, Al, I want you to approach each role and say, the captain is the best role to play because of this, this, and this. The XO is the best role to play because of this, this, and this, and so on and so forth. So to give all the new players who are coming into the game this this broad spectrum of perspectives and say, oh, gosh, I don't have to just play the support role. I don't have to just play the doctor. I don't have to play the band-aid. I don't have to play the engineer. I could be anything because they're all equally cool. Um, so respecting the fact that all of you have different perspectives on whether a PC should be captain or doesn't have to be captain or whatever. I guess my question for you all, if you're willing to answer it, you don't have to, of course, um, is why is the captain in a Star Trek Adventures RPG the best role to play? Like, why should everybody want to play a captain in this game? Anybody can jump in. I don't know that it is the best role for everybody, but for all of my initial reluctance, it ended up being the best role for me. I had so much fun doing it that at its best, if you enjoy trying to get a sense of big picture, not just of story, but of plot, every time we got into a new situation, I got to try to find from what the GM was giving me what I could pass along, what, what might be the most fun I could give an order to help as a story prompt take the situation in front of us that the GM gives us that whole quest giving and break it down into what piece do I think might be a gift to you as a player, doctor, to you as an engineer? How do I think... We could maybe split into groups and solve this together. I talked earlier about how we sort of take from our players and like if they have an idea to run with that. But equally, sometimes you you look at something it's like, I don't know how I fit into this. And so as a captain, I got the opportunity to at least provide a suggestion to everybody of like, hey, here's what I think we could do. And what you could do in this piece of story that seems like it might not be fit for you. No, there is a place for you, science officer, in this very fighty plot. And here's at least one idea as to what it might be. It might prompt you to have new ideas. And that's there's no other role like that. It isn't the GM, but it isn't a typical player experience either. And it's such a gift. At its best, a captain is a support class, not like the support characters, but an enabler, a helper. Most of the things mechanically the captain's best at is helping other people do their thing. And it's what you get to do as captain, game after game after game, whether it's taking that quest into bite-sized pieces, whether it's just taking every ding-dang assist action. The captain yeah. is the best role for the players who are huge fans of their fellow players and want to just watch them glow. The most bleed I ever got from my character were those moments where both my captain and I were looking at the crew like, oh, gosh, they're great. 
Yeah, I think I think it's important for people. We're we're talking about just the role play aspect here, but go look at the mechanics designed in that Sam's referring to about being a support. So so it's not about being the spotlight as the captain all the time. But if you look at what they can do with their with their uh, determination and a lot of those talents, if you select the right ones, you really empower the crew and help them survive ordeals. Like you can make sure that they even when they're 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 down and beat up, give them that little. Uh, uh, lift to, to your point, Jim, we were talking about when you gave Al kind of the directives of what to write, something that cracked me up because it said, choose this role. If you enjoy ad-libbing impromptu impassioned speeches, <laughs> I, I was like, this is great. I was like, I was like, I know I play a captain. I played an Al's game once and boy, I love ripping off on those speeches. And I made, made sure that they were epic. And by the end I'm standing on a table. So to, to your point, Sam, looking at the players and getting them going and there's mechanics for that is so awesome. What, what about the rest of you? Um, uh, Something that really stuck out was what Sam said was an, an enabler, right? You are you are key in helping everyone else be the best they can possibly be. Uh, you're a teacher. Uh, you're sometimes a parent. You're sometimes you know a mentor. Um, you share in your crew's successes. You share in their defeats. Um, and I think that all of those interactions are extremely important when you're telling character-based stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and 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 also going back to what Sam was saying, uh, they're kind of more serious bards, like you know, because you've got that charisma. You know, we call it, you know, the um, you know, there's a different way of saying it in in two d twenty, but it, there you've got that charisma. You've got the uh, the talents that buff, like advisor. You can use your determination to give it to someone else. That's only something a captain can do. So yeah, you, that this is definitely the character that provides the buffs. Um, and, you know, you make the decisions, but you're also there to back up the crew, I think mechanically more than anything else. Um, and, you know, I think my favorite part of that was just like, you know, inspiring my characters, like we'd be in battle or we'd be, you know, doing something really harrowing. And I would just be like, and I love just kind of like feeling like I sat into that captain's chair and I would tell my, my tactical officer fire, you know, and I'd given them the determination to basically make it hit and, and do a lot of damage. And so when I, it, it put like that gravitas behind it and I love that. And everybody else loved that too. Cause it felt very Star Trek. This game me choked up. I love this. I just think about all the moments we've played where we've seen this happen. Joy, what about you? I mean, you know, you're my favorite captain in Star Trek Adventures. So. <laughs> uh, I, I think the, uh, the reason that captain is the best role is the, relationships you know if you are into relationships with your fellow players with the other characters you know to bind these individuals these incredible individuals together as a unit and eventually as a family you know that come to rely on each other that come to trust each other i mean i think about the relationship between you know jalel and desmond you know, has gone from being captain and subordinate to, you know, a very familial relationship. Um, you know, all of them have gone from that dynamic of one is higher than the other to being part of the whole. Mm, well said. I don't want to, I think we should wrap it there. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> because because that's a perfect segue to our next continuing conversation about first officers, which we're going to be talking about next. So as is tradition, we always want to do our gratitude moment. I'm going to just, you know, say a little bit first about wrapping this up about captains and then Jim, you, of course, got to do a wrap up talking about captains. Then we'll do our normal gratitude moment. But uh, I have to say that um, the most emotional moments we've ever had in Star Trek Adventures have involved our captain. I really feel that even when other players lose, they kind of cry with them. 
and and I've even seen the effect, which I've never seen in an RPG I played before, because Star Trek is more enabled tradition, more familial tradition, is that when a member of the crew, like each life is so valuable on the ship, not one is worth losing. And the fight, when one is lost, it just shatters everything for the game, which is great. And the captain really is the main driver on that because they're the protector of the crew. You know, they're the head of that family in a sense. So therefore. Jim, <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're gonna leave it hanging like that. Yeah, no, I think uh, I, I agree that uh, the uh, like if I think about my long history of RPGs, RPG gaming. Like the the best experiences I've ever had is being a captain in a Star Trek game. That it wasn't Star Trek Adventures; it was a homebrew. Uh, but like like my game master was so good at giving us situations that created really tough decisions that we had to live with, right? Whether it was a good decision or a bad decision, and 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 that really shaped me personally right not just as a gamer as a player but as a person i was like i took all those experiences with me after the game and then as a game master i was able to give other players those same type of experiences and opportunities to to be a captain or to be a first officer i mean whatever role they were playing uh because it, it, I mean, it's just a really great i mean it, there's a whole psychology paper in here right that you can write up about the psychology of rpgs and how they can make they can help you be a more full, complete person, right? I mean, we could go totally. hours on that, I'm sure. Um, so yeah, I, I just, I guess, ditto, Michael. Just did I want all of that? Yeah. Uh, it's just, a, it's just a really neat experience to uh, to be able to be a captain because, it, it, like, everyone has been talking about this at length in this episode. You're talking about discipline. You're talking about empathy. You're talking about leadership, decisiveness, uh, collaboration, um, working with your fellow players, like reading the room. And and sensing like when is one of my players wanting to do something cool, but maybe they're a little shy and they don't want to they don't want to speak up. You know, as the captain, as the as a fellow, not just a fellow player, but as the captain, you have an opportunity to draw them out and help them be the best that they can be. And and, and like like I remember, I think it might have been Sam who said, "You're you're the enabler, right? You're you are enabling that group. So you're almost like a like a sub GM in some way, in some ways, right? You're supporting the GM, helping the players be as good as they can be and having a great experience. So uh, I'm going to have to watch this episode over and over again. How do I distill all this down into like, I guess another player's guide to say, look, this is how to play these roles. We'll have to do it for all the episodes, I guess. I don't know. I know. I know. Well, remember whatever, whatever Modifius can't fit into books, that's what continuing missions is for. There you go. Drop it there. Um, so let's go into gratitude so that we can, uh, you know, rush into the next conversation about uh, mm. first officers. Of course, for you, those yeah. of you tuning in, you have to wait till next week to watch it. <laughs> but we're going to continue the conversation. I'm going to give my shout out as usual to the brick and mortars. I really appreciate those uh, business owners who stuck it out through the pandemic or maybe opened up a shop after the pandemic to placate those of us who want to touch and feel our books and, and just have that tactile experience. Um, this is going to sh- go out. Uh, this shout out, Brian Cruisinger uh, submitted to us for Strange Ideas Comics in Grand Prairie, Alberta, Canada. So we love those international shout outs. And now let's go around the room and we'll finish with Jim with his shout outs. But let me pass the torch to Troy and then you pass the baton to whoever you want to. All righty. Um, first and foremost, I, I, I have to shout out my original crew uh, back in the FOSA days where I first actually sat in the captain's chair. Um, my friends Don, Jason, Toby, they know who they are. They'll be watching. Um, that was my first step where I learned to love Star Trek and I learned to love this genre. Um, the local store that I have to shout out is uh, Voss Media Game Cafe in uh, Galesburg, Michigan, just outside of Kalamazoo. Uh, gentleman is a uh, Army veteran businessman but he is not just running a store he's actually fostering a community of game masters people willing to teach games people willing to run games to draw more people into the hobby and that is something amazing to me um sam (laughs) yeah i want to shout out the person who shoved me forward into uh, the captain's chair. I want to shout out my GM, Eric Campbell, who 
believed that I could do that, encouraged me to, and helped me and the whole crew just have such a lovely time that I could go from, please know anything but this, to today when I say it was the most fun I possibly could have had. That was thanks to every single person in Shield of Tomorrow, every single person in Clear Skies, but particularly to the ultimate enabler at every table, the GM. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what he does as a player in a Star Trek Adventures game uh, coming up very soon in Streampunk's Clear Skies Perseverance at Utopia Planitia. Do we need a captain? Who knows? (laughs) We don't even need a starship. Let's go. (laughs) Uh, We're looking forward to that one for sure. Who are you passing the baton to? Sky. Oh, that's an honor. Okay. Um, so I definitely want to thank my GM as well. Uh, Blue, I was really in kind of a Star Trek slump. Um, and right after the game came out, Blue was like, hey, I want to run this game. And it reignited my passion for Star Trek. Um, and I, and they roped me into like two other campaigns as well, as well as the one they were running. Um, and they also believed in me, you know, when our, our captain had to leave the game, uh, they believed in me and bumped me up to the captain's chair, even though I was like, no, <laughs> Um, very similar to, to Sam's story. Um, I also want to thank Nick and Thomas at Cryptic, uh, for bringing the Odyssey class to life, uh, on screen, uh, that tickled me pink because she's my girl. Um, and then definitely, uh, Jim, uh, because I don't know how you found me on Twitter, but you did. (laughs) Um, and, and it's been awesome. And, uh, and, uh, my friend Tamari, who has given me a lot of ideas when I needed to write something. Um, and I just, for, for something I was GMing and, and was just kind of stuck. So, and all of my fellow players that I've played with through the years. All right, Al, take it. Uh, yeah, I'm just going to say thanks to, um, all the GMs that I've been seeing as of late volunteering their time to take new players on board, um, to run new campaigns. Um, the learn to play aspect is really, really important. Um, and if a game master has extra time, uh, to offer to do that, that is amazing. So thank you for those of you that are doing that. Um, especially on, uh, the digital, uh, forum, because, uh, there are a lot of people looking for groups, um, and they, they don't necessarily know the rules yet. So taking them on board is a really awesome thing um, to help out with the community. Sweet. Take us out, Jim. <clears throat> oh, man, this is so great. Uh, so I want to thank um, uh, the crew of the USS Athena way back in the day. That was my uh, that was my formative crew when I was I, I was I was captain by default because I was the oldest in the group and I was the one who knew the most about Star Trek. So that I, <laughs> I got volunteered to be captain because they didn't and no one else had the confidence to to jump it. So I, I took the shot and uh, and it really turned out to be one of the most important formative experiences of my young life at the time. And uh, that's carried on into everything I've done. And I mean, you'll you'll see it. it it's dripping out of the out of the command source book. Uh, that was uh, that was my love letter to the to the crew. So thank you to all of them. Uh, I don't think many of them watch the show, <laughs> but uh, maybe I'll turn them around to that someday. But uh, thanks to them. Uh, thanks to all of you for being here and for all the support you've given to the game over the years. Uh, whether you think I've noticed or not, I know that you are all passionate about it in your own ways. Um, I am just so excited that I've got to meet. Actually, of all of you, I think I've only met you, Sam, and I met you at Gen Con a couple of years ago uh, when oh. uh, we were able to, uh, able to meet the crew. Uh, sure, no, actually, Troy, I think I may, I may have met you yep. at Gen Con as well. Gen Con one. 2019. Yeah, so hopefully we get to meet um, again, or hopefully we all collectively get to meet some point uh, in the near future as COVID resolves itself and as conventions get back in the full swing of things. I'd love to meet you all, get together for uh, snacks and drinks or something, just kibitz and be part of the family. Um, I love you all. I'll and, buy the first round. Way. <laughs> there you go. Thanks, Michael. Thanks for taking the hit. Um, uh, and then uh, uh, I never say it enough, uh, even though that we've been at this for a year plus now. Uh, I want to thank the fans, uh, all the fans of Star Trek Adventures, the new ones, the veterans, etc. 
uh, without the fans, we would not be doing this game. I mean, there, there's no way we'd be doing seven years of this game if we didn't have a fan base that was so passionate, so supportive of each other, and also so supportive of all the new players coming in. I see it on Reddit. I see it on Facebook. I see it on the on the Discord. Like every time somebody new comes in and starts asking questions, there's there's like nobody shouting down the newbies. There's nobody giving them a hard time for like, oh, why don't you just go hit the search engine or something to it's the same questions over and over again, but it's okay because you know, it's star Trek and we've been around for 50 some years and we're not going to go away. So I'm just thankful for the fans every day. I'm grateful for, for all of you. So um, you are all collectively part of the star Trek family. So I'm uh, grateful for all of you. So uh, I think that's it for this episode. So thank you all so much for watching. Uh, live long and prosper. Be safe. I D I C. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Go on true. I love that. <laughs>